1: On a Sunday morning in Las Vegas, I'm Brian Feldman and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank Studio every Sunday at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. And sister station of Raiders Nation Radio that we also include social media director Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. And, uh, of course, The Wiz has his own theme music. Also joining is producer Chris Magnum-Chapman, who aside from producing and being part of several shows here at Lotus Broadcasting, Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. We are also streaming live on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Outta Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Outta Line Fox LV. And since we are live your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports RCG Home Loans powered by Illuminate Bank Studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby and it's time for What's on Tap. What's On Tap? Brought to you by title sponsor, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. To get information or to get your questions answered regarding anything mortgage or real estate related, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank today. On tap, well, there's a lot. We had a Formula One race this weekend. I stayed home. Didn't go. It's true. We'll talk about that, though. Pretty cool race. Uh, I watched a little bit of on television, uh, saw the highlights on ESPN today, and definitely worth talking about. Also, um, big, big news this week. The Oakland A's will no longer be the Oakland A's as uh, Major League Baseball owners unanimously voted for the A's to be granted the opportunity to leave Oakland and uh, they'll be coming to Vegas. They should, uh, first season slated for September, or I shouldn't say for September, for 2028. But, um, and I think they start construction a year from April. At least they're potentially going to do that and almost fully decided that the site will be uh, the Tropicana, where the Tropical Tropicana Hotel sits now. We'll talk about that, though. Also, of course, Vegas Golden Knights, 1-1-1. Um, one and one. Does that sound familiar? Well, that's what they've done in their three road games so far. Two more to go. We'll talk about that as well. UNLV football, man, I can't believe it. I said pinch me, but UNLV football is really exciting to watch. And as a matter of fact, they're not going to be ranked, but there are people that have votes in the AP Top 25 that are considering ranking them. I mean, that's how far you as an UNLV team has come in one season under Barry Odom. Again, we'll talk about that. Uh, UNLV Rebel, running Rebels, a whole different basketball team the last two games than they were in the first game against Southern. The Raiders two and under Antonio Pierce, but is that for real or a house of cards? We'll find out in Miami in just a couple of hours from right now. We'll talk about that too, and um, of course, the rest of the games around the NFL in Week Eleven. And um, the scooper will join later on for uh, the picks segment where Magnum jumped in front. We went two and two cumulatively as a group here. But um, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, That is what's on tap. Again, if you are looking to buy a home or refinance the home you currently own or you have any mortgage or real estate related questions, contact RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank today. Guys, right into it. uh, Uh, real quickly about the the F1 race. I don't know if you guys watched it. I didn't attend. One of the first times a big event like that, the first time ever in Las Vegas. $8 billion spent by Formula One building their U.S. world headquarters here in Las Vegas and constructing that track. Um, I didn't want to go down. Max Verstappen, who is the best F1 racer, maybe the best racer in the world right now, uh, complained last Thursday. I was shocked, too. I imagine F1 slapped him on the wrist. Maybe someone punched him in the mouth because he was complaining in Las Vegas he basically he didn't basically he said verbatim that it's 99% show and 1% sporting event well Max that's what Vegas is and the company that pays you that's responsible for what you do for a living, just spent eight billion dollars in this community, uh, making F one a big part of it. And I will see that race here for several years to come. I would just shut up and keep winning. Well you did. You won. He swept all three US races and uh for strapping after complaining wins the race. Um and it was pretty cool if you watched it on uh if you if you watched if you went down to it, I'm sure you had a good time. It was late night. I don't think the traffic was as terrible as people had anticipated because of the time of the race. on a Saturday night, but, um, and the traffic's heavy in Vegas anyways, but, you know, overall, a good experience, my friends that did go down, my friends that saw it on Friday, everybody said they kind of liked it, it was a really cool setup, you know, you got to see the sphere as they're driving around, it was cool, but overall, um, I'll pass. Will I go next year? Maybe. I, you know, one of these years, I'll definitely go down and see it. But, um, again, congratulations to Max for strapping. Congratulations to F1. And congratulations to Las Vegas, because all this says is Las Vegas is getting recognized internationally as a sporting Uh, outlet right now. And and I love that. I mean, you know, and that's with Major League Baseball now with that vote. I mean, no one can argue anymore. Las Vegas might be the number 40 television market in the country, but uh, they're going to be one of the 30 teams to have a professional baseball team. And that is because of the way they're doing things. They do things right. Max, one more thing I'll say to you. The show makes it. I am a traditionalist when it comes to things like hockey. I mean, I have my original six hat and everything else, but you know what? When I first saw the Vegas Golden Knights play at T-Mobile Arena, I loved the show. I told everyone the way I explained it, my analogy, it's like going to a Vegas show and a hockey game breaks out. You know what? There's nothing wrong with it. I like the change. I'm accepting. I mean, I remember, you know, you went to a sporting event you would get a hot dog and maybe a pretzel and some popcorn and some peanuts. That's what was available at games. Vendors would walk around and sell you. You know, At certain prestigious events, they might have cotton candy, but that's what you're getting. Now, I mean, you can pretty much get everything. I'm sure at some stadiums, you can sit down and order a filet mignon. I mean, that's the way things are. That's what we've morphed into, and I'm okay with it. And I'm okay with the shows. I'm okay with the events. And Max, you should be as well. Make your event a show because truly, racing's a spectacle. Uh, The machines that you drive are incredibly cool but understand that when you come to Vegas for anything, it's going to be a show. That's the way it is. Uh, morphing over, I talked about it guys. Uh, the Ace. Um, coming to Vegas. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. There's still a few more, a few more formalities and a little bit more red tape to get through. But the 30 Major League Baseball owners in Arlington, right across the street from the stadium where the Texas Rangers won their first ever World Series just a month or so ago, um, they voted on Thursday, and the A's are granted the opportunity to leave. Uh, Oakland's still going to try to do something about it. I don't think they're going to do anything about it. I think the biggest question everyone has now is where will the A's play up until 2028 when they're, when they're, when they're, um, when uh, their stadium is done. Uh, There's a few options. I think one of them, they're looking at uh, the Giants, where the Giants play. I just don't know how you do that with 162 games. There's going to be conflicts. I don't know how you would uh, rearrange schedules to make it so they never played at the same time other than when they were playing each other. Um, The other one I've heard is obviously the Las Vegas ballpark, but you're talking about 10,000 people. But then again, are they going to draw more than 10,000 people at the old Oakland Coliseum where they're playing Foot baseball right now, they're barely putting that many people in the stands during big series, and usually it's the away teams that are putting all the people in the stands. So is ten thousand seats going to be enough? Is that gonna is that gonna justify the revenue? Um, those are a couple of options. I think there's a few more. There's an uh, they, they were talking about uh, another stadium uh, potentially in the Los Angeles area, but uh, that'd be three teams playing in Los Angeles. So I just don't know how it works out, guys. I think Chris, I think that um, you know my guess is they're going to probably play in Vegas. I mean, they very well could play, but I don't know what they do with the Aviators during that time. They're already scheduled out, but uh, where else do they play? They're going to stay in Oakland. I mean... uh, uh, For the next maybe two years, but you think all the way till 2028? I mean, I I don't see
2: an alternative for them. Like, where where are they going to go? Yeah. I mean, they're, not, they're certainly not going to play in San Francisco. The Giants aren't going to allow I mean,
1: that. how's that going to be? Are the fans going to throw things on the field? I mean, well, I don't that, think it's going to be, yeah. you know, as a fan, if I go, I'm wearing a paper bag over my head. I mean, I'm pissed off. Why do you want to play somewhere where they're going to they're gonna literally hate well, you? Well, it's not like a love affair. Like, the Raiders, they would have been happy if we didn't build a stadium for four more years here. Yeah. They don't have that same love for the Oakland A's. Well, and this is what happens when you have terrible
2: ownership, who doesn't give a crap about the fans or the team. And the, the the worst part of this, that guy, the value of his team just increased tenfold by him moving here. Yeah. He did nothing. He screwed the city of Oakland. I don't know a lot of people. Look, I'm a big baseball fan. I'll go. And I'll go as a fan. I'm not talking as a member of the media. I'll go as a fan, and I'll sit in the stands and I'll drink my beers and eat my peanuts and throw my shells on the, on the ground like everyone else. And I'll go and they play teams that have players I like. I mean, I know MLB now has it where, where every team plays each other. So the Mets probably won't come out here every year. I think they'll come out here every other year. So for me, it's like, okay, well I'll go as a Mets fan a couple, a couple times, you know, but. I love going, going to baseball
1: games. Like to me, it's the one of the best because I could sit there and do absolutely nothing. It just there's just something about it. It really is when but, they say America's pastime. I I think of Major League Baseball to this day. But Brian, I mean, I mean just, they're, they're, there's nowhere there's nowhere for them to play here. No, no, I, you're you're right. I and, think and they, they will do a year by year lease because uh, the the owner of um, uh, 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 what's his name of uh, John uh, Fisher, he is part owners. I think he's like fifty percent owners of the stadium there. Anyways, like he has like you know a 50% what they,
2: they could limit. do. I think Portland has a stadium, and that could be a temporary home for the Oakland A's because Portland, it's a minor league stadium, but you have to figure out what you're going to do with the Aviators because I can't imagine both are going to stay here. Like, I mean, I don't know what the rules are in terms of if you're allowed to have a minor league team in the same city as the major league franchise. Like, I don't know what the rules are on that, but most teams, triple a team is, is fairly close, but not a bus ride, not, not like a 30 minute drive away. So, um, their triple a team, obviously I think, I think some, some like single a teams are really close, but those guys aren't going right from single a to the majors. No. Um, so, so there's a lot of logistics that have to be worked out. I, I, I don't know what the solutions are. Look, I mean, I know a lot of people saying, well, we don't want it. Well, listen, you're going to go you you can you can cry and whine that you don't want it but if you're an Astros fan And they come here 10 times a year. Or if you're a Tigers fan, you're
1: going to go. Yeah, I I agree, Chris. And, you know, a lot of things, you know, first of all, you know, it's the first time since 2004 that a Major League Baseball team has moved from city to city. You don't see that a great deal in Major League Baseball. The last time was Montreal in 2004. Another team
2: that got screwed.
1: Yeah, they got totally screwed. They went to Washington, of course, became the Washington Nationals at that point. This is the next move. But a couple of things that are pretty wild. Uh, You know, the A's, they, they had the lowest Major League budget of $57 million payroll to start the 2023 season, and the year, of course, they ended with the worst record in baseball at 50 and 12, but from 2000 through the start of this past season, the A's had the 6th best overall record in baseball and were tied for the 5th most playoff appearances in that span don't with care. 11. I know we don't care, Chris. I'm just saying, with a very low budget, you know that that's why a movie was made about them. That's why the movie Moneyball, wow. because Billy the, Bean was able to take a little budget, use analytics, and get them. I don't agree with that, and the bottom line is John Fisher made a point after the meeting when he was interviewed and he said this. He said, if if once we get a new stadium, it is going to let me open up basically my purse strings and start buying more players, spending more money, increasing the budget, and making this a more competitive product. I'm going to hold him to his word. I think we all are because here's the bottom line. Taxpayers in Las Vegas, $380 million is coming from you to build the new stadium, whether you like it or not. Okay, it's been voted in, and we're paying those taxes. We're buying. So we all, to an extent, are going to own the new stadium. So, uh, you know, like it or not, the A's are coming and hey, it's a good thing because within the next five years, Adam Silver is going to be, be, be allowing an NBA team to come here as well. We're going to see one here. We're going to see one in Seattle, just like we did in hockey. And in no time at all, they will have the four major professional men's sports here, and we've already got the WNBA here. It's going strong. And the one thing I will say with John Fisher, I don't know if you saw this, Chris and uh, Spencer, but the one thing John Fisher did after the meeting when he was getting interviewed, he said, we are going to be the third major professional sports franchise in Los Las Vegas, and he harped on that like four or five times. Was something missing there? Because the columnists referred to that there's already three here, but John Fisher seemed to just kind of forget about the, the Las Vegas Aces. Well, did he mention anyone by name? Yes, no. He he mentioned the the names. He oh, mentioned okay. he one hundred percent. Well, at least in the articles that I'm reading in the in the review journal that I read. Yeah, he mentioned the A's. Ooh. He mentioned the Golden Knights, and uh, he mentioned obviously them coming. He even mentioned the Las Vegas Aviators, of course, being a minor league baseball team. But somehow the WNBA Aces got left out of that. I'm sure he's heard about that. Heard about it since Thursday. Well, considering about considering
2: that. Mark Davis owns the yeah, Aces, yeah, it, it was yeah. really
1: surprising to me, and no one really called a lot of attention to it. I did. I hosted the T.C. Martin show on Friday, and I did call attention to that. Also, I had Chris Matheson who said the stadium 100%, they're going to reveal it in two weeks. But the stadium proposal, by the way, the same architects that built Allegiant Stadium, so you can imagine how nice it's going to be, but the stadium will be 100% enclosed. It will not be a retractable roof. It's going to be an enclosed stadium mm. from what I heard. Which I is don't a little, like I don't I didn't like it either, but here's the thing. Part of uh, Allegiant Stadium is retractable. Are they ever going to open it up and let us see it? Because I'm starting to not believe well, it's retractable. Chris, there have been some very nice days that the Raiders have played this year, and they could have easily opened that stadium. No wind or anything, and they don't. Why? Well,
2: you mean the the lanai?
1: The lanai! Do you know why they don't open it? No. Because apparently birds get in. Oh, that's right. Somebody and, told me birds can't cons- get out. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, what do you have the lanai for then? Well. You know, have, have some sharpshooter with a BB gun or something. that's terrible. All right, anyway. <laughs> All right, listen, uh. Moving on, Spence. Go ahead. I want to get to the Golden Knights because there is definitely a lot to talk about today. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game.
2: It's time for Nightcap, a cup full
1: of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here puck starts right here, and uh, well, the puck's been going around. It's out of town right now. The Vegas Golden Knights 2-3-1 in their last six games. Uh, they lost an OT yesterday to 4-3 at Philly after coming back. They were down 2-0 against Montreal and Philly. Came back in both those games, ended up beating the Canadians but losing to the Flyers yesterday. Um, and, you know, it's funny because my friends in Detroit, you know, it's not that they're haters. They like the fact that the Red Wings are playing a little better, but they, 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 they're bothered with how much I I like the Vegas Golden Knights. They just don't understand it. I'm a Detroit guy. How can you like them so much? Because I talk about with the same love in my voice. I guess you could hear it in the inflection as I do the Detroit Red Wings or Tigers or Lions or Pistons, but... Um, You know, the bottom line is I'd been in Vegas for over 15 years when the Vegas Golden Knights came to town. And I felt that that kind of allowed me to call myself a local. I'm not saying a native. I'm a local. And being a local after 15 years and since the Vegas Golden Knights came from nowhere else, they they were a team that came from a bunch of other teams. They were put together as a true expansion team. I think I can like them and I can call them my own. And I actually have a fifth um, a fifth major professional sports men's team, let me put it to you that way, that I now love, and that would be the Vegas Golden Knights, and I and I do. And, I, 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 and when I say love them, you know, we're supposed to be somewhat non-biased, non-partisan because of what we do. But you know what? What they have done for this city, again, I've repeated it a million times. You can read it in books now. It's magical what they did. Since October 1st of 2017, they helped unite this city. And I think Vegas has been a different place ever since then. They have absolutely educated the West Coast on hockey. I mean, people around here are so much more knowledgeable now than they were five, six years ago. And I love it. I love to see it because I'm a huge hockey enthusiast. I'm telling you right now, my friends back home that have been whining to me, don't worry about the Vegas Golden Knights being 2-3-1 in their last six games. This hockey team is as solid as can be. They're one of the best plug-and-play organizations I've seen, and that is because of their depth. They have tremendous depth. They're three deep at goaltender, and they can only have two playing with them at any time. The third one's got to be in Henderson, and Yuri is having a decent season down there as well. He is 100% NHL ready, as we saw last year. This team is solid as a rock, and what's so cool is in year one, we saw William Carlson come out of nowhere, score 43 goals, uh, didn't get to go to the All-Star game, but was one of the key integral parts that helped this team get to the Stanley Cup Final in their very first game, for, excuse me, the very first season uh, playing. And they've been a playoff team all but one season and the one season they didn't, they had a ton of injuries and still came down to the final two games of the season. They just missed making the playoffs. They've been to the Stanley cup finals twice. They've been to the conference finals. Now what four times? I mean, it is ridiculous how good this team has been from the start. And, do not worry about them. They are strong and, and can be... What I was saying was so great, Chris, what I love seeing is, and I know he's one of your favorite players, he's one of mine, but to see William Carlson having this kind of success, he is an absolute sniper. He is starting to be known as one of the upper echelon players in the National Hockey League and when you're leading the Stanley, the reigning Stanley Cup champions in points and tied for the lead in goals, I would say that's pretty damn significant and people start really got to take in this guy's seriously, as one of the better players in the National Hockey League, Chris.
2: Well, yeah, he he, he doesn't get the accolades that he probably deserves because sometimes his his, his points numbers are, aren't, you know, he had that amazing season year one, but then his points numbers kind of dipped, and he, he he hasn't gotten back to that. But what a lot of people don't know is last year was his best season in terms of assists, and this season he's off to a a, a really hot start. He was really, really good. In the playoffs for the Golden Knights last year. So with William Carlson, the confidence is what breeds his his play on the ice. When he's playing with confidence and he seems to be playing with confidence, he's certainly a guy who puts up really good numbers, does spectacular things. I mean, Brian, look, he's probably, and I don't know if he if he will be, he should certainly be. At least one of the Golden Knights' representatives at the All Star game at, it's at, about at this time. pace, at this pace, because yeah. he's earned it. Yep, he's earned it because of his defensive play. Because of the fact, unfortunately, he did take a penalty yesterday, it led to a, a goal for the Flyers. Yep. But you know his, his play on the ice. He's a leader. He plays. He he leads by example. He does everything the right way. He's in tremendous shape. He's just a, a an all around good player and. It's nice to see him getting the credit he, he has so greatly deserved. And, and I know there are a lot of people, when he wasn't putting up the, the, the huge numbers, why are they paying him this much? It's like, because the guy's a damn good player. Because Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee know what the hell they're doing. That's why. That's why they're paying him that much. So, um, yeah, I mean, good, good start to the season. I can't believe we're already almost 20 games into the season.
1: No, Chris, it's crazy. And the one of the only things, and I had, I actually had on on the show with the TC Martin show on Friday. I had Darren Elliott on, who I really like. I mean, plus Darren Elliott had a cup of tea in Detroit as a goaltender. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, so a so, so there, there there there's a lot of love there. And I told Darren that, and uh, you know, he he was talking to me about the situation. He said, you know, the one thing is, you know, every game the Golden Knights have won, they've scored at least three goals in, which is which is pretty wild when you think about it, but. A lot of them, they've had to score the three goals in. And is it a knock on the goaltenders? No, they're playing really well. Hill did not have his best game in Montreal by any means. He let in a couple of, as, as uh, Bruce McPherson would say, how about Bruce Cassidy would say, um, he let in a couple of greasy goals. But... At the end of the game, with about two seconds to go, Chris, that flat-out diving save that Aiden Hill made in the Montreal game made up for every bad bad goal he let in during the game because that literally iced the game and saved it because that would have sent the game to overtime after Stoney put him ahead. That would have sent it to overtime. And... Aiden Hill is becoming an elite goaltender in the National Hockey League. Is he going to be an all-time great, a Hall of Famer? Well, he's 26 years old. That's yet to be seen. But what I will say is right now he is playing at an elite level. And um, I don't think we need to worry about this Vegas Golden Knights team. They're on a road trip right now. Uh, they're 1-1-1 on this trip. They do have a, a test. they got to play the Pittsburgh Penguins a little bit later on today. And then they've got to go to Dallas. Those will be two tough games. But... No one should worry about this team, Chris. This Golden Knights team is just fine. They're going forward, and like I said, they are deep. They are as good of a plug-and-play fran- professional sports franchise as I've ever seen because of this depth. And what you can really see is the camaraderie and the unity, the way these guys play together. And let and, and and one thing uh, you know is that has been so great about this season and magical is their special teams play. And uh, if their special teams play continues at this at this pace, it's going to be great. They've got four short right now, which ties the uh, the National Hockey League in shorthanded goals. They should have five or six. They've come really close. And the one thing you're seeing, Chris, which isn't surprising, is every team that this team plays against, the goaltenders get so up for playing the Golden Knights. You know it is the reigning Stanley Cup champions coming to town. Teams get up for those games. And it's always going to be a challenge when they go anywhere to play on the road because, again, the Stanley Cup champs are coming to town and it's a feather in your cap when you beat them.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's just the way it works in all sports, right? Like when the Chiefs come here. Granted, there's a there's a long standing rivalry between the Raiders and the Chiefs, but when the Chiefs come here, the Raiders and their fans they they hope to elevate their play. They hope to to elevate the loudness in the arena or in the stadium that day because you got Pat Mahomes and company coming to town. Well, it's the same thing when the Golden Knights go on the road when they today in Pittsburgh it'd be a nice reunion with Riley Smith but the penguins are going to play their uh, their best game they're not just going to lay down because the champs are in town they're gonna, they're going to get a really good game out of the penguins who are coming off a loss so uh for the golden knights it's 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 a matter of of you're going to you're you're the hunted but i think they kind of like that I think they they thrive off of being Oh, I think so too. I think
1: hunted. I think you know I think you know the 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 chip on their shoulder has now changed to the defense mode of you know they're not No offense to the aces, maybe a little bit, the the, us against the world mentality. That's not what the Vegas Golden Knights are saying. No, it's not the same thing. They're not whining and saying, oh, everyone's disrespecting us. They know they're, the the key is they understand they're being very respected, and what they want to do is they want to continue to earn that respect. They want to continue to deserve the respect they earn. That's the kind, that's hockey players in general, man. These guys are grinders, they're gritty, they go out and they just play the game. They play with stitches, they play bleeding. That's what the NHL. HL is all about man and the Vegas Golden Knights exemplify that as much as any team I have ever been around this is a team that likes to play together they play well together and man I got to tell you Bruce Cassidy is the perfect guy in place I, I just love for the most part now I don't know what the Raiders are going to do I still say Jim Harbaugh is going to end up being the coach of the Raiders next year we'll talk about that during the Bones I want definitely want Spencer's take more on that but I look at the some of the coaches in Las Vegas right now at the professional level with, uh, with Bruce Cassidy's phenomenal, and a good tr- segue into uh, UNLV and their head coach, Barry Odom, who I said on the T.C. Martin show, Chris, the, the way that I talk about Barry Odom now is I, 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 like this. I look at Barry Odom as, I'm in love with the guy. It's like a hot woman, though. I'm not going to fall in love with him and get engaged because you're going to get blown off in a couple of years. That's what's going to happen. This guy is so good that there is no doubt, number one, he is without question being considered for National Coach of the Year. Do not think for a minute that is not being considered right now because it is. Do not think for a minute that uh, that P- uh, P- Pisano is not being considered strongly for the Lou Groza Award because he is. And let me tell you something else. Uh, this team... And- And a guy named Ricky white is don't think he's not being considered to being a first, second or third team all American because he is, this is what is going on right now here in Las Vegas. And if you're not getting your ass out to Allegiant stadium, especially next week against San Jose state, you're doing yourself an an injustice. If you were any kind of a football fan at all, watch this team play. It is the most exciting brand of football. Chris Spencer that I have seen since I have lived in Las Vegas. I am excited to watch the game. I mean, I was on pins and needles yesterday. Spencer sent me the link to watch the YouTube game. I'm on my little phone for three hours just staring at it, enjoying the hell out of myself. If you would have ever told me in the past five years that I'd be able to say that about UNLV football, I'd have told you you were out of your mind, Chris. Well, you know
2: what you missed, Brian? You missed second-half adjustments in coaching because for the second straight week, this team was bad in the second quarter. They gave up a ton of points. And then it's a for the, very good rushing offense. And then for the second straight week, they locked it down in the second half. Wyoming no points in the second half last week. Air Force no points in the second half yesterday. That's not by accident. That's coaching. That's guys making adjustments. That's a defensive coordinator and Barry Odom getting together at the half saying, "This is what we need to do." Look, I told my wife, I said, I said, you know, I couldn't even tell you the last time UNLV won in Colorado Springs. Because it's such a rarity, I don't know if they've ever won in Colorado Springs because this is a team that traditionally they have they have nightmares against, but I mean it's such a night- you know I talked to Caleb Herring a bit about it, and you know my my response to him is as as an alum, it is so nice for the first time since I've graduated from u n l v which was know, almost twenty years ago that I can be proud of my football program. And not that I not that I was, you know, never not proud of being an alum, but the fact that for so long this program has been a a a drag, a, a just a doldrum on
1: a disappointment, uh, a flat college football. out
2: disappointment. But it's amazing to me how one coach makes that much of a difference because I mean there's a lot of guys who are still here from when Marcus Arroyo was here. You know, Jaden Maeva was a Marcus Arroyo recruit. He, he, they, they, they have local kids, more local kids now, though, when, 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 than they did when, when Arroyo was here. But Barry Odom is winning with a lot of Fred Tompkins, the guy who had a big play yesterday to ice the game for the Rebels. Marcus Arroyo guy. You look at Ricky White, Marcus Arroyo
1: guy. It's amazing to me what a difference coaching makes. I just, you know, Chris, I, and not to cut you off, because I want to hear Spencer's take on this too, um, you know, with, uh, with, with UNLV. But, you know, no question about it, th- this gives you a clear example of the difference of coaching, Barry Odom one hundred percent shows you how different and what a difference a coach can make. Because exactly as you're saying, Chris, there's not a lot of new working parts at the major skill positions. Yes, they had to replace a pretty good running back last year, and they did, but it is there's not a lot of working parts. I mean, and you, and you saw you you hear the one guy that I listened to when we heard the interview last year last week of Jackson Woodard, the defensive captain and linebacker who came with Barry Odom from Arkansas talking about how Barry Odom's not just the best coach he's ever had. He's one of the best people he's ever been around. And you could see the exuding respect out of this guy. Now, Jackson Woodard's not a really big guy, but he's playing so well, he's going to get a look at maybe being converted to maybe a strong safety in the National Football League because he has that much prowess and that much heart. I don't think he's got enough to get there, but I think he will get a look based on his heart alone. The one thing I want to ask you about, Spencer, we were messaging each other a little bit yesterday, is I'll tell you what, you know, I don't like to sit here, and I, I'm i not the Mr. Conspiracy Theory about fixing games and throwing games, but i got to tell you something. The officiating in that UNLV football game was the most suspect I have seen in a long-ass time. I was getting so pissed off. They were doing everything in their power, it felt like, even on the last drive, to make sure Air Force had an opportunity to win this football game. I didn't understand it. It was pissing me off. I mean, both of those roughing the passer penalties were completely bugged Bogus, 100%. That player downfield on the touchdown that was called back, you saw Odom going nuts to the official on the sides. completely bogus. I don't know what went on there, Spencer. I want your thoughts, and also you can talk about your love of this team and how much you're enjoying this run as well, being an alumni.
3: I want to say that my favorite part of the game was there was that terrible roughing the passer penalty, right? And I saw the defensive coordinator on the line doing the little crane, like, it was such a bad call. You would think any normal defensive coordinator would be losing their mind, like throwing things, breaking clipboards. This guy was, it's on to the next play. And I think that speaks to how good Odom is as a head coach. Everybody is locked in. It doesn't matter what's going wow. on with the referees. They're, it's always, okay, it's now first down. We can't. We got to stop them. They can't get a touchdown on this drive. And that's the mentality that they play with. Jordan Mayava, the same thing. The guy gets a bad interception. A couple in the first half. He's a gunslinger. He just keeps going for it. Barry Odom doesn't change the play calling. It doesn't change the way the offense is going. It's the same thing, and I just think it exudes a lot of confidence, and you can see that every time we go into a press conference and we look at this UNLV team. These guys have fun playing. They're playing really hard, and they stick to the script. He talks about in the press conferences, I've heard him say that the game is played like you know, before you ever get on the field, and you can see it. You feel that, and I believe it when I'm watching the product. It's cool. I've never been this excited, and I never in my lifetime thought I would ever be this excited to watch UNLV football. I mean, I just never thought they would put it together like this and it's really fun to see yeah the refereeing yesterday was so frustrating I mean it's so cool to see how much of a tsunami this UNLV football team is no matter what the referees tried to do in that game UNOV was going to keep pushing on and uh, you yeah, know they took first place in the Mountain West and I don't think if I'm not mistaken they've never won a Mountain West conference title in the entirety of the conference history even uh, after those Cunningham or never I don't never, think so yeah never
1: ever ever have they won it Spence it'll be the first time ever and a lot of really Really good points. Uh, my favorite part of the game, actually, guys, and I know if you got a chance to watch it or were listening to it, uh, was watching him find a way to get Doug Brumfield into the game. Like, almost in a wildcat position. Doug Brumfield has that big frame, long lanky. He'd be a great wide receiver, uh, and, and you could potentially convert him. I know Caleb Herring you just mentioned him. You know, they tried converting Caleb. He was, because he just wanted to get on the field, too. They did it with Johnny Stanton. They made him a linebacker when he couldn't play quarterback. Football players want to find a way on the field, Doug Brunfield's got to be chopping at the bit. I know when Maeva went down, I even heard the announcement. Well, I guess Cameron Friel's gonna get ready. I, you're right, I'm like, what that. the hell is he talking about, man? Does this guy pay attention? Cameron Friel's not gonna touch that field unless p- neither Doug Brunfield or Jordan Maeva can get off the turf. If those guys can stand, they're gonna play in front of Cameron Friel. Trust me, no offense, Cameron Friel, but we saw what you bring to the table. And, uh, and, and, and I mean, those two guys got to play, but I know Brunfield was probably chomping at the bit, but you know, as to, as to what you you said, what Chris said, Barry Odom stuck with Maeva. And the confidence to exude confidence. You know, show him, hey, I'm not giving up on you, man. Because he does throw some bad interceptions. Labeling him as a gunslinger, Spencer, is really actually a really good label. And he he can afford to be, when you've got a receiver like Ricky White and some of the other guys in that team, you can afford to be a bit of a gunslinger. But he does make some poor decisions. And I think as he grows, he's only a redshirt freshman. He'll get better as time Goes on, which is scary to think what the ceiling for this kid is, but this team looks really good, guys. And I wanted to tell you if I, I don't know if you saw it in the show log, but this is a fact Nevada Sports Net columnist Chris Murray, who is one of the 63 voters in the college football AP Top 25 Bowl, he put UNLV as number 24 this week. And I thought that was so cool. Now they won't be nationally in the top 25, I don't believe, when it's all said and done, but the, because of the two losses. Michigan could be forgiven. I think the Fresno State loss will be held against them. I don't, I don't them. think so. Fresno was ranked at the
2: time. It was in Fresno. And they 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 had an opportunity to send that game to overtime. No, you're right, Chris. I, and listen, if they win next week oh, against they'll San they'll be Jose ranked State, if they win next week. And if they win the Mountain West title game, they will be ranked yeah. going into their bowl game. There's <laughs> we'll no doubt that. about it. You and, look, know, and football and is going to be ranked. So I just saw Steve Cofield retweeted Matt Neverett. We, we know Matt, right? Son yeah. of Tim Neverett, of course. Sure. Matt does some, some bang-up stuff with the Aviators when he fills in for Russ Langer. Yep. yep, yep, He voted UNLV first in the preseason Mountain West poll, and he got a ton of crap for it. Can you... To, to think he knew back in August that UNLV football under Barry Odom was going to be a contender for the Mountain West title... And he had the cojones to put his name behind it on it and vote them number one. They're number one in the conference right now. Yeah. I I, my head is going to explode. I can't believe that we are talking with eleven games into the season about a nine and two, could potentially have been ten and one. UNLV football team playing a game with an opportunity to host
1: the Mountain West Championship. By the way, what happens? Because doesn't... I don't know when no, that game I is. No, but, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna find all that out, and I'll have a lot more for you on that next week. I, I'm actually curious myself, because it's surprising to me that UNLV isn't at least locked into that game. But they're not. Well, I and was talking about, don't they play the same night as the Pac-12? Th- th- they might, and that'd be really, I don't know how they would pull that off, because they're not going back to Sam Boyd Stadium, I'll tell you I, that no, right absolutely now. absolutely not, no. So, so I don't know how that would play out, no. but what I will tell you is, you know, with all this, UNLV has done so much, such a great body of work. That win at home against Wyoming, and then to go on the road and beat Air Force, and you think now they're coming over for Senior Day, San Jose State, this is a gimme, people. Pay attention. Yes, San Jose State is six and five, but they have won five games in a row. And in winning those five games in a row, they beat San Diego State uh, yesterday, twenty-four to thirteen. But only a couple weeks ago, uh, the same Fresno State team that that beat UNLV, uh, they beat Fresno State forty-two to eighteen. This San Jose State team is no one to sleep on. But the cool thing is, is Barry Odom won't let it be a trap game. He won't let him have a letdown. He's got to work. Better Better so they don't have these second quarter lulls because you don't want to keep pulling yourself out of a hole. But as Chris alluded to, and I have said so long, a coach should always be judged by halftime adjustments because that is where you really see a true coach. Maybe a little bit more in basketball than in any other sport, but still in football, halftime adjustments are immense. And Barry Odom is a master at doing these things. Love what he's done. I am a little bit concerned about the game next week, but if the one thing is for sure, they control their own destiny. They win next week. They win the the regular season Mountain West crown and they host the Mountain West title game before they head to a bowl game that is absolutely incredible hats off to them, they get all kinds of uh, expectations, guys I expect them to win next week, I'm picking UNLV to win that game outright, I'm picking them to win the Mountain West title game at home and then we'll see what happens, and what, what, what bowl game they go to, but all I can say, it has been the most pe- pleasant surprise of 2023 as pleasant, I will say, as the Detroit Lions, what they've done to this point, the Detroit Lions still have a ways to go, but UNLV Man, they are knocking on the doorstep of greatness and of history, and I am so incredibly proud of that team and Barry Odom. Man, like I said, love the guy. Just don't fall in love with him because he's going to leave you. That's the bottom line. He is definitely stepping out in in a a very short period of time. the
2: key here is that Barry Odom has already coached at a power conference school. He's going to get another opportunity, but because of the fact that he's got that experience, he could be a bit more selective in terms of where he wants to go, look, there's a couple jobs that are open. Texas A&M is going to be open, or it is open. Mississippi State is open. Auburn probably going to be open. Auburn lost 31 to 10 yesterday yeah, to New Mexico State. That's going to be an opening. Will any of those schools look at Barry Odom? I have no idea. If he but, becomes, but, but listen, if Texas A&M comes calling for Barry Odom. I'll help him pack his
1: bag. Yeah, you know, like I said, I said this on the T.C. Martin show too, nobody better hate the hate on this guy if he leaves after this year. You just can't blame him, man. You have that kind of success. When that window opens up, man, you jump through it. The the bottom line is, Eminem sang a song about it on 8 Mile, man. You know, you never when it's your shot to blow, you blow, and that's what yeah. you do, and Barry Odom deserves it. He's going to be in the running for National Coach of the Year. I don't think he'll think get, it. Yeah, I get it. I think the kid from Arizona. Yeah, I do too. I 100% agree with you, but he will be right there second or third he's gonna finish inning. in the top three and, yeah and uh and and i love what i'm seeing here. i'm excited now since we're running short on time i just will say this we'll talk more about it next week but unlv basketball team they beat pepperdine convincingly on friday 82 to 68 A much different team than we saw in game one against Southern. And the key is they're playing defensive basketball. And that's what I saw missing in the Southern game. I saw way too many open looks, way too many people getting loose in the paint with with absolutely no on-ball defending. That has changed. Uh, I like what Kevin Kruger has. There are some good players in this team. Very interesting. The one thing I don't know, guys, and again, we got to fly through this, but where are they playing? I know tomorrow's 3 o'clock game against Florida State. It says at home, but I don't think it is, is No, I think they're playing in Daytona Beach. Right, they're playing in Florida. Florida, but but it's they're probably weird. they're probably you know, some kind of tournament yeah, or something. So maybe they're, so the they're, home they're, team they're calling in that them game. the home yeah. team, but I know they're not here, but they've got a game tomorrow at against Florida State. Florida State really unfortunate and the gridiron lost to the quarterback yesterday. Oh, and oh, that really was so it, it, just ugly. a horrific oh. uh, one of those horrific injuries. And uh, I don't know what it's gonna do to Florida State, but I think with what happened yesterday with Washington beating Oregon, I think they're gonna bump probably Florida State out of the fourth seed because the the they, they can't help it. The committee can't help but see Florida State's with. About their quarterback. So you're going to probably see Washington slide into
2: that fourth spot. Now, by the but- way, I was on their campus on Friday, and they have this massive, massive poster on one of their buildings for Michael Penix, Jr., who didn't have a great game yesterday. No, but he's still but, really good. But, man, the the excitement you could feel on that campus. Like Chris Peterson, we, we saw what he did at Boise, yeah. and now he's doing it at Washington. But pretty cool to see First of all, the first time I've seen that campus, and and it's beautiful, but... I mean, it, it, it's really cool, man, to see that massive, massive poster. I'm surprised I didn't see more within the city of Seattle. I mean, of course, they've got the, the Seahawks, so, right, but, but the, still really cool stuff.
1: No, it's good. it's awesome. And, uh, you know, he's one of the one of the, a great quarterback class coming out this year that the Raiders need to consider. A guy like Penix Jr. is a guy that the Raiders need to consider in the future. But I don't want to take it away from Aiden O'Connell. He's won two games in a row. Let's see what the kid can do. We won't jump on him right now. And that's a perfect segue talking about Aiden O'Connor. Uh, Connell, excuse me, uh, heading to the Raiders. Spencer, two wins in a row for this team, uh, both against the New York franchises, ironically. Neither one of those teams really any good, So I don't know how much credence we give to those two victories. Yes, I like to see what Antonio Pierce is doing. Aiden O'Connell's played within himself. We heard last week uh, Devontae Adams give him a vote of confidence as far as the way he conducts himself in the huddle and all that. But again, it seems like these two wins are a bit of a house of cards. They go to Miami. We're getting about a little over an hour from right now. They're going to kick off in Miami. I think it's going to be a very long morning, afternoon, afternoon for the las vegas raiders today your thoughts man
3: yeah well me and my dad are sick you know that so you know every time we say we hate the raiders you know we're both tuned in you know before kickoff and we watch every play of the game and we were talking during this jets game and you know he was struggling a little bit early on which is understandable the jets definitely have like a top five defense not a top three in the nfl and my dad was saying maybe jimmy garoppolo should come in to finish this game and i said well The Raiders can't afford to do that, the reality of the situation. They have to find out what they have at Aiden O'Connell because more than likely they'll be picking close to the top 10, top 15 with – A real chance to to jump up in the draft. I mean, Chicago has a first overall pick in the draft as of right now because they have Carolina's pick, so they're going to take a quarterback. But Chicago also has a number five pick, and the Giants, it doesn't seem like they're going to take a quarterback. So there's two quarterbacks in the top five that are going to be tradable for, and the Raiders won't be that far off, so they're within reach. So the Raiders have to play Aiden O'Connell no matter what happens, and you know, to his credit, he played really great in the second half, and he really pulled them into that victory. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you this week. It's going to be really rough, and the Raiders have just had some bad luck on some of their matchups because they played the Buffalo Bills after the Jets took a te- – I mean, uh, after the Bills took a terrible loss to the Jets after Aaron uh, Rodgers tore his Achilles in that game, and they were just really mad. The Bills were at home, and it- now it's kind of the same thing. You know, they go to Germany, the Dolphins. They take a bad loss to the Chiefs where nobody says they can beat a team that's over 500, and now they have a bye week, and they're now they're at home where they play their best football. The Raiders are just running into a meat grinder. I mean, if they won this game, it would completely change my reception on everything. But it's very unlikely. There's going to be a lot of money on the Dolphins. I think are minus 13 and minus 13.5, which is the biggest line of the week.
1: Actually, they're minus, uh, the, as of today, they're minus 13.5. Um, you are correct. Yeah, yep. so...
3: Uh, I am leaning towards the Dolphins. I think the Raiders are just running into the you know, the Dolphins at the wrong time and it's just unfortunate, but it is what it is. And you know, I always talked about when I looked at these two games on the schedule between the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And if the Raiders wanted to make the playoffs, they'd have to split those games and I'm honestly looking more to the Chiefs game, which is really unfortunate. I know the Raiders aren't. I mean, they feel like they can beat anybody right now. Maybe they can. I just don't know if they have enough to beat uh, the Dolphins.
1: I will tell you right now. The Raiders Dolphins, it's funny because they're they're begging you. Six the Dolphins are six and three, the Raiders are five and five and the Dolphins are 13F points uh, favorites, they're begging you to take the Raiders. And that's why I'd stay away from this game, a mile away from this game. I think the Dolphins blow them out today. I really do, and I think that's why uh, transversely, you know, talking about the Raiders, um, you know, after the game, the one thing about the Raiders is last last week after the Jets game, you heard from uh, Devontae Adams after the Giants game, you know, said, hey, it's part of the system, he's okay with it, but yes, he wants the ball more. You saw at the beginning of the Jets game, that um, Antonio Pierce was doing everything he could to get him involved in the game. He, he was trying to make sure that he got Devontae Adams involved in the game. And um, Devontae Adams, I mean, they were targeting him. I mean, they, they said, like, let, let's let everyone else beat him. We saw the same thing against the Giants. Uh, they do not want to get beat by him. So I asked Antonio Pierce after the game about that, the fact that he was trying to get Devontae Adams into the game because he's got to be a big part of their game plan going forward. Coach, it seemed like creatively you were uh, getting Devontae Adams involved in the game early, different plays, different looks, and uh, how, how big and important is that in your game plan? Well,
0: I mean, what's the first thing you saw when you watched the Jets? He loaded the box. You know, we're going to have opportunities there for Devontae, and obviously you saw the first couple of plays right to him, get the ball in his hands, get him going. Um, listen, you got one of the best receivers in the game. I'm not I'm not, I'm not stupid. I know
1: who to get the ball to, 17 and 8. We got some other good football players who are really good ones in. Jacoby Myers and 101 and run. can't talk about Big Mike. That was a huge play by Big Mike in the red zone. Um, you just got lost. Right? That was, that's what we were on the tape, so good for Big Mike. Correct me if I'm wrong. Spencer, did, did he call Josh McDaniel stupid? Because when he said, you know, of course I know I need to get him the ball. I'm not stupid. Uh, you know, it, it seemed like it was a last jab at Josh McDaniel. Did you take it that way?
3: Yeah, I, uh, yeah it was. I mean, And there's no way for you to really, you know, say the right answer. I think you just have to keep moving forward. And I think that's kind of answer that he's giving, not saying like he never mentions the old coaching staff like they've completely removed and scrubbed Josh McDaniel's name from the team. And you know while you do say something like that and it's the first thing that you think of I, I don't think it really means anything to the Raiders locker room because I really do think that it's less about Oh,
1: I don't think the Raiders locker I don't think I think it was a very subtle jab. Like I said it was one of those things. It was subtle. You know, you were you kind of covering it up kind of like the way uh yeah. you, you know you, kind of like the gladiator got stabbed in the uh, and they hit it under his armor, you know. It was one of those kind of stabs, but it definitely was a stab. And uh, I like the Raiders, you know, uh, overall what they've done. I like what Pierce does. Although I still think Harbaugh is going to be the coach next year. I think the Raiders. There's no way they win either of the next two games against Miami or Kansas City. Because right now, if you look at it, five and five, they would need to pretty much, in, you know, probably go five and two in their last seven games to make the playoffs. Well, they're going to have to go five and five because they're going to lose the next two weeks, in my opinion. I don't see how they win in Miami today, and I don't see how they beat the Chiefs next week in in Las Vegas. Regardless whether you know the Chiefs, I, people say it's going to be a trap game. I don't see it. Real. Quick, Quickly, before, we're going we're gonna to bring the scoop in now because we got to uh, get to our pick segment. But I just wanted to say two games to me, or one game in particular, to me that, that really stinks as far as the line goes. And on T.C. Martin's show on Friday, I actually picked them as one of my three NFL picks. I don't like picking against the Lions. The Lions have done fairly decent against the spread this this year. However, something, what is wrong with this picture? Why? The Bears are going to Detroit. The Bears are a god awful football team this year and the Lions are only favored by 8 points. I don't understand that. To me just looking at this initially, I said this is this should be like the Raiders Miami spread. This should be a 13 and a half point spread. Why is it only 8 points?
3: I don't know. I think the NFL has had some really short lines this week. I, there's a few other ones that were really shocking too the Dallas Carolina Panthers game is only 11 point spread. How's that possible? The Cowboys just blew out the Giants by a thousand points.
1: You no, know, and I get that. So we'll let Scooper in on this one. Scooper, your opinion, real quick, on why do you think my Lions are only favored over the Bears by eight points today at Ford Field, coming off of an emotional coming off of an emotional win at uh, in in LA against the Chargers? I would think, like I said, this should be almost a two touchdown spread.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, when you look at this, it's all about spots in the NFL. And with the Turkey Day game coming up for uh, Detroit, it's it's a great spot for Chicago today. They're coming off a mini buy. Chicago is actually one of my bets today. I've, I've made about six or seven bets today. I, I love this board today.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny, Scooper. I uh, I can't believe I'm saying it either, but like I said, I picked the Bears to cover the spread. I don't think they'll win, but I think this is going to be a very tight game in Detroit, much tighter than people think. Whenever you think one way, where transversely with the Raiders and the 13 and a half points the Raiders are getting in Miami, I don't think it's enough. I think the, they are begging you to take the Raiders, getting the 13 and a half points, when I think Miami, just too much of an offensive juggernaut for the Raiders to slow that team down.
0: Yeah, I like how you're thinking. Uh, when, when the number smells and it's a little inflated like that, uh, there's a reason why. That Miami game opened 9.5. It's up to 13.5. And uh, Miami's coming off their bye week. They struggled in London, uh, in Germany against uh, the Chiefs, gave them a 21 nothing lead. They should be very motivated today to come out. They get 8-chain back. Uh, the Raiders' weakness on defense is stopping the run, and Miami should have a field day today uh, scoring any way they want. All right,
1: super we're gonna put you we're gonna let you go first with the with the picks this week. I know who you're taking and I'll let you take it but I'm just gonna comment on that once you make your pick because it is a little bit surprising to me um, but go ahead yeah I guess Chris says we're just about out of time so make your pick.
0: yeah, I'll make it quick Denver uh, I got a lot a lot of plays today but Denver's gonna be the one we go with uh, Momentum confidence carryover after a season saving win against Buffalo Minnesota in a sell high spot. Six and one against the spread in their last seven. And uh, Russell Wilson, he's been a monster against cover two. Minnesota plays uh, some of the most cover two in the league. We're going to look for the Broncos to be moving and the Vikings to be chasing them like those cops back in 94. All right, man,
1: we'll, we'll we'll check that out. I actually, I don't know, I think the other way, man, I think Joshua Dobbs is the most exciting thing in the NFL, a great story, and the Vikings have won five straight games. T.J. Hawkinson, third most receptions in the league. That's going to be a tough game. Real quickly, I'm going with the Jaguars. I think they rebound after last week's thrashing by the 49ers. They're at home again against Tennessee, and they're giving up seven points. I don't think it's enough. I'm going with the Jags. Mags, who are you going with? I'm going to keep it local, sort of. I'm going to pick the
2: Cleveland Browns and Dorian Thompson-Robinson getting his second career NFL start, of course. Bishop Gorman, product, they're laying two to the Steelers. Steelers are Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know what the hell to think of them. Browns have a really good defense, though, so I like Cleveland in this one.
3: All right, who you got, Spence? I feel like I'm going to regret it, but I just don't think there's enough points in this game. The Washington Commanders minus eight over the New York Giants. I think Tommy DeVito is the worst quarterback in the NFL. Have and I you think seen the Giants Zach are Wilson? trying to lose? Oh, <laughs> Zach Wilson's way better than Tommy well, DeVito.
1: Listen to Spencer and Chris. They both won last week. Chris Magnum Chapman leads the way with a six and four record. Uh, five and five for me in the Scooper and Spencer's coming back, man. He is four, five, and one, so you're getting there. That's it for this week, man. I want to thank the Scooper, thank Mags, thank Spencer. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning on Fox Sports Radio at 8 o'clock. We will see you next week, uh, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Be safe out there. Bye-bye.